Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. If this is your first time in 2022 coming to the show, scrolling through the thousands of podcasts that you could possibly choose from and you landed on mine today, thank you so much for being here. Or maybe you're back. Thank you for coming back. And you will not be disappointed because I have a guest today who is incredible. His name is Matt Labrie, and he is many things. He's the CEO of his own company, 1B Branding. So we'll get into that and talk about that a little bit. He's a philanthropist. He's had his fair share of uh, tribulations in life, uh, everything from having divorced parents to getting kicked out of high school not once, but twice. At one point, didn't get accepted into high school. Also, at one point, blew his life savings. There's probably people who can relate to doing that, maybe maybe more than once in their life. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different things there, but I think the important part is the turning point that Matt experienced in his life because through despite all of those things, he actually managed to get an internship with Damon John, which many of you who are listening know is one of the, the most famous sharks on Shark Tank, always has something incredible to say, and we're all learning from him all the time when we see him do all his different investor things. And like I said, you went from that to becoming a CEO and a philanthropist, so that's quite the journey. I'm excited to talk about that, but welcome to the show, Matt. Des, thank you for having me. First and foremost, I need to express my gratitude. I love what you do with your platform and the way you impact individuals that tune in and beyond. So thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. It's awesome. And you're representing the NYC? Yes, yes. Born and raised. Absolutely wouldn't change that for anything. And I, I've said in the past, because I don't want to sound like an arrogant New Yorker, like I think no matter where you are in the world, like wherever you're from, there's something that you have that others don't. You know, so like I, I related to like just like this hustler spirit that I feel like anyone in the five boroughs of New York is automatically born with because like you're just in one of the busiest cities in the world. So I'm mm -hmm. here to rep the NYC. Yeah. And, you know, and to New York is gone. I mean, just I think as a state so much, you know, it's like so iconic 
for everything that we've seen from the World Trade Centers to everything coming back after September 11th. It's the, you know, the stock market and you see the big bull out there, Radio City. I mean, it's a place where everybody wants to go and at least vacation one time just to see a lot of the, the landmarks and the history. But it's gone through its fair share of challenges, too. I, I saw that fire that happened over there in the Bronx and mm. in that apartment building. I think 19 people had died. So it's it's I, I think New York has also just become this place of resiliency every time I see different things, even from the start of the pandemic and and all the hospitals and how they were inundated there. And of course, that's happening everywhere now. But just, um, yeah, there's something really special there about resilience. So, yeah, we're born strong, you know, I, I mean, the, and again, this is many places, right? Everyone or every city has their tragedies. Every city has their triumphs, you know. Um, and that's that's life. <laughs> you know, life isn't linear uh, in yeah. any aspect whatsoever. So whether you're talking about an, an individual, you're talking about a city like so relatable. Yeah. And I have and I have to acknowledge, too, I was excited because when I before recording, I was talking to Matt and, and just admiring the success that he's had with his podcast called Decoding Success. So I definitely want to put a shout out there. I've listened to his show. It's amazing. So definitely one one of your first homework assignments, <laughs> if you're tuning in, is to go out to wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you're, you uh, subscribe or follow his show, you're, you're going to get a ton of inspiration. So we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I have to start with, with your personal story. There's been a lot of shit that you've gone through in life. And, and also, you know, your, your mom battling cancer and everything. So, you know, how did you, I mean, when you look back to high school, if, if, you, if you go back that far and you think about some of the things that you were doing then, obviously it's different than what you were doing now. So speaking of success, how did you get on a train from being challenged and maybe not making the greatest choices to then starting to move in a different direction in your life? That's a great question. I think ultimately the answer to it in short is who I was surrounding myself with. You know, So when I look at high school, I was always around individuals, maybe kind of at that time was around individuals that were older than me. So they had things that I wanted. And at the time, the things I wanted as, you know, many high schoolers is, you know, cars and clothes and girls or whatever, just the material stuff of the world. So at that point, that's what I wanted. And as I continuously progressed through my life, I realized that I was still hanging around individuals that were a little bit more experienced than me in life, you know, four or five years older, six years older. But the older I got, the the way that I was attracting people with, you know, other things like healing and um, just people that are into personal development, like it, it just shifted. So ultimately, it really came down to who I was surrounding myself with. And don't get me wrong, like I hung out with people my age, too, and I did silly stuff um, as my story, you know, just <laughs> that's just what it is. Like, I don't want it to sound like I was hanging out with, you know, people that just always had their shit together. It's not always what it was, but. Yeah, it was that that's what it was just being around people that made me better. Yeah, that's huge. And 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 we we have that choice at any given time, right? Believe it or not. And and I think sometimes it takes those couple of bad decisions and outcomes to recognize that 
you can you can choose to open a book right i mean just as just as quickly as you can get a mentor um if your outcomes are not in the direction that you want so so take me to this conversation that you had with damon john like how did that even come about yeah so that wouldn't have came about if i wasn't surrounded by i want to say five or six people in my life and these five or six people i was in business with and you know they they really dealt with a matt labrie who at 17 18 years old when they met me was really reckless and just totally numb to the world right so by the time I met Damon, I was 24 and the like just having this conversation, it really makes me realize the growth because I don't always look at it like this. You know, I kind of just realize like, hey, it's life. But having this conversation, I do realize like 17, 18 to 24 is such a difference in my personal life. And I'm sure in yours and in anyone that's listening to this. Right. So by the time I met Damon, I was in college. I had failed out of college, um, just was making a lot of money. And I said to myself, what the hell do I need this? Lo and behold, I did, you know, and it led me down a path that put my I put myself back in college. Although I failed out, I graduated with Dean's List Honors. I started doing leadership initiatives with on the you know within the college campus. I realized that the college I went to, I just had a lot more experience and access than a lot of the students did there. And that's because I'm from, you know, or maybe just because I went out and got it and these other students maybe feel like they couldn't get it. Whatever it was, I just felt motivated to do it. In fact, I actually cried um, to one of the professors. I'm like, listen, I need to help these people. You know, like that that's literally how I felt. I, I literally cried and he saw that. He was like, all right, you're going to help them. So basically what happened, Damon was, uh, he grew up in the neighborhood where my college was. And he was coming to my college campus. I'll never forget this. I was in Dominican Republic. I was enjoying spring break my junior year, quote unquote junior year, by the way. It took me seven years to graduate with a uh, four-year degree. So quote unquote junior year. I was in DR. I was hanging out with two buddies. And I remember like getting a call from whatever, my college campus. And I'm like, why the hell are they calling me? Like I paid, I paid my tuition myself. <laughs> You're like, like, shoot, this is good. Not good. Yeah. Like mom and dad totally cut me off. Like I was cut off the minute I turned 18 and I'm like, why are they calling me? So I answer international call and they're like, Hey Matt. And I'm like, Hey, they were like, do you want to meet Damon John? And I'm saying to myself, you know, I didn't say this. Um, but I'm saying to myself, they know me so well, like the individual know, like knew me so well, like, why do you even have to ask? Like the answer is yes, I'm, I'm there. Um, so I, I said yes, politely and professionally. And I was offered that I was one of three students that was offered that because I was the president of the entrepreneurship club and they just thought it fit. So he was coming to the college campus to do like a speaking engagement. Now we're in the green room the day of, which is like a couple days after I get back from my trip. And we're in the green room and we're the last people, the three of us, the three students that were meeting him, we're the last people to have a conversation with him. Like he did press, he did parents, he did faculty. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Like we're standing around waiting. And then when it was time for us to go, I was the last person to shake his hand. And he looked at me now, I'm six foot five. He's not as tall as me to say the least. So um, he looked at me and he's like, what the hell do they teach you here? How to break people's hands? So, I, I mean, I, I kind of felt like it was good vibes off the bat. I realized he's down to earth, you know, because this is the first time I'm meeting him. Mm -hmm. So I looked at him dead in the face after like a little banter back and forth. We took a, we took a picture. I'm like, Damon, I'm going to work for you. Like, I literally just said that. And he looked at me like I had 45 heads. <laughs> now, I, I know I have a big head. 
Like my head physically is big, but like he looked at me like I had 45 heads. So this is where things get crazy. Damon goes on stage, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with the three students. We're like front row, whatever. He has all his staff that this theater is packed and it's a really gorgeous theater on our campus. He's doing his fireside chat, having a conversation about his new book coming out, which was called Power of Broke at the time. Um, you know, FUBU, this, that, the other. And at the end of it, I brought one of my best friends who's a, a mentor of mine. He's one of the older individuals that I've always surrounded myself with, a uh, business partner and, you know, just a lifelong friend. I brought him, but we were sitting in different, you know, sections because I was a student. He wasn't a student. So at the end of everything, the theater was clearing out. Him and I linked up in the middle of the theater. There was virtually no one in this theater at this point except us two. And then out of the corner of my eye, out of my peripheral vision, I see a gentleman walking up the side of the theater who resembles Santa Claus. And this is April, so Santa's not really around at this time. <laughs> uh, just like a heavy set guy with, you know, he's bald with like a really white beard. And I, I look at my buddy. I'm like, I know this guy. Who is that? He's like, oh, that's that's our friend George. So George is an older individual and we go outside, we have a conversation with George and it just so happens George works with Damon. And I was like, this is my in, like, this is my in. Uh, one thing led to another. And two months later I was interning for Damon. Uh, that internship turns into a job and just like that, that's how it went down. So it was really powerful how things aligned. That's insane. I think the best part is the start when you're like, I'm going to work for you. And then <laughs> the rest is history. Where have you always had that confidence? Um, let me think on that. The, the answer that's I'm getting the chills thinking about the answer is no. Right. And the thing is, I always had an ego. We all do. Right. But I always led with ego uh, for a good portion of my life. I led with ego, meaning I had a fake confidence. I had a facade and I wore it. So people always thought, you know, oh, Matt, look at him. He's doing great. He drives a nice car. He makes a lot of money. He goes to nice restaurants, takes nice vacations. Like it was all a facade. And ultimately I say that because now after doing a lot of work on myself at 29 years old, I, you know, I do therapy, I do coaching, I do flotation therapy, I do yoga, I do a lot of things to connect with myself on a really deep level and having conversations like this as well. When I look back, it wasn't confidence. It was arrogance in a sense you know it, it truthfully was did it work at times yeah but i would never tell my son i would never tell my daughter i would never tell anyone that's listening to act the way i acted you know i would urge them to do some really deep work because that's where you build confidence and i think there's a really big difference between what i had back then versus what i do now and i'm still working on myself i don't want it to sound like i'm the most confident person in the world right now but truthfully that was what it was it was just pure ego in the driver's seat driving really freaking fast in a really nice car and it worked sometimes and other times i crashed you know but that's just what it was at that point yeah that's a, that's a big distinction. And I think a lot of us go through that. And I also think that ego is something we're always battling with, right? Just keep keeping it in check and, you know, all of that. Absolutely. And I don't think ego is a bad thing, right? Like we need an ego. Otherwise, we would be very content with sleeping on a park bench. And, you know, I, I know that's an actual issue in the world. So I'm not, you know, pointing or poking fun. But ultimately... Uh, if we didn't have an ego, we would be very content with 
whatever cards were dealt. And I'm not saying don't play the cards you're dealt because you need to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you can, you know, win or whatever the case is. We're not going to get into gambling here, but um, <laughs> I'm in well, Las Vegas, so we can. You are that, here. <laughs> that's actually very fitting. Um, no, but you know, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you need an ego. It just it needs to be in the back seat, not the driver's seat. I hear that. So, what's some of the biggest things that you've learned having worked with Damon? Well, the biggest, uh, and this this is a question I get asked, and people always look at me again like I have forty five heads when I answer this. But I'll give you an actual scenario. Um, you know, I interned with him for two semesters because I was in my junior year when I met him and then I, you know, finished my senior year with him and I knew I was going to get a job offer by the end of it, which I did very small company, by the way, no one in the company had the same title or the same roles or the same task, like super, super small company, just painting that picture. So one day, um, it was me, the president of the company, Damon, and another individual who is essentially, you know, like a, a talent manager for Damon. And we're, we're in a meeting. It's way past the time I was supposed to leave, by the way. You know, we were hustling then. And in this meeting, me and the president were on one side and the other individual was on the other and Damon's in the middle. And, you know, we have differing opinions about whatever it was that we were talking about. And I noticed the conversation getting emotional. Now, when I look back at it, I noticed the conversation conversation getting emotional. Um, you know, we, we were getting heated, you know, professionally, but we had differing, you know, opinions on this. And that's fine. Everyone has their own perspectives. And then I look at Damon. And he's just as cool as a cucumber. I've never used that term before, but I'm going to use it here. He was literally as cool as a cucumber. And after that meeting, I literally walked up to him and I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you do that? And he said, Matt, like, business is not brain surgery. It's like, none of us, the four, yeah, the four of us that were in that room are going to lose our, you know, or like, we're going to be good. Like, no matter what decision we make, we're going to be good. And that really hit me because, and I I still do this from time to time, I react emotionally. And I I mean, listen, I think a lot of us do. Um, It. I think it's really challenging to fully control your emotions in, in situations, you know, because we take things personally, so on and so forth. But that was literally the biggest thing. And I was like, you know what? That right there is a goal. Like getting to a point where whether it's business, whether it's relationships, whether it's, you know, whatever, you know, just not reacting emotionally and staying cool under pressure, under the gun, like when you're in the kitchen and the heat gets turned up, Mm -hmm. like when you can just stay as cool as that man did, I was just like, wow, like this is what I want to be able to get to. And like I said, I'm still pursuing that. I'm I'm not the best at it. There, there's times when I have conversations with friends and I'm just like getting heated and I put my phone down. I'm like, damn, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you still got work to do, dude. So um, that's the biggest thing. Um, I can give off more just off the top of the head if you'd like me to, but that that right there is an absolute game changer. Yeah, I, I you know I think that's big because it shows up everywhere. What you know, and sometimes with the people we're closest to, because that's where you get the deepest emotions. But also, like you mentioned, in business and and you know full full admission, it's something that I continue to work on myself, and it's it's one of those things. Um, where I've recognized because I am a highly just emotional person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to 
get, you give yourself the permission to have that, right? What, whatever you're feeling, whether it's elation or frustration, whatever that looks like and, and have that, but maybe marinate a little bit and then come back because sometimes the logic and the rationality come after you've had the bout of emotion. And I find that even just taking a pause and being able to come back, it, it, your head is in a different space. Um, so, you know, in what you described in that, in that meeting example, it's so impressive because he's in the moment. And often it's when we're in the moment is when your emotions can take the best of you. And he's managed to <laughs> be able to channel all the right things to manage that real time. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listen, it's not to compare whatsoever because this gentleman, you know, he's ran a $6 billion business before, you know, so his conversations are far more advanced um, or have been far more advanced than at the time, the 26-year-old that I was or the 27-year-old mm. that I was. So I don't try to compare myself, but I do look at it in a sense of, okay, this is something to shoot for in, in life because, um being able to master one's emotions is literally a win and it's a really mm -hmm. big win. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate your transparency. I, I think a lot of people that listen to this will, you know, really resonate with the fact that it's probably still a work in progress, you know, cause it's not easy whatsoever. So taking that pause, whether it's the five second rule by Mel Robbins or right. putting the phone down or something, it helps, <laughs> you know, it definitely helps. Yeah. Okay. So now what was the catalyst for decoding success? That's a great question. Um, truthfully, and this is going to come full circle, I left my job with Damon out of ego. Um, that's the surface level reason why I left and why I had the opportunity to start decoding success. Now, do I regret any of the, any of the decisions I've made? I don't because it's all led me down you know, to what I'm doing today. Everything that I've ever done has led me to something, and I'm grateful for that. With that being said, that's the surface level answer. The probably deeper answer, and I've never actually talked about this because I've only realized it now through therapy, so on and so forth. Um, and it's really crazy how this works, but I personally felt neglected, um, pushed away by my mother. So that's a wound that I have, whether that, that shows up in business, that shows up in my relationships, that shows up in many different areas of life. And you know, I'm still working on repairing that. And at the time, I had something on the table professionally with the organization Damon owned, the Shark Group, which I was working for, and there was just no progress being made on said, you know, raise or promotion, whatever it was. And it wasn't Damon's fault. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. I know this interview is going to go public, so I just wanted to make that clear. But I felt neglected because there was a lack of progress. And the reason there was a lack of progress was because I could have done a better job at pushing it forward and making sure that it was talked about more. Um, at the time, they were filming Shark Tank two times. At the time, I was in Europe for two weeks. Like, I don't want it to sound like, you know, um, whatever. Ultimately, that was the catalyst for me leaving that position. And I, I did it, again, out of ego. I said, you know what? I've had my experience here three years in total. Like, I'm just going to wrap it up and that's it. And then after I quit, which was Halloween of 2018. That was my last day working. I, and I professionally gave one month notice, not two. I'm still on very good terms with everyone over there. And I 
went to a Tony Robbins event, did the whole walk on fire thing. And then I had a speaking engagement, uh, speaking engagement in Mississippi. And then by the time I got back, I'm like, wait, I have nothing to do now. So my former intern at the time turned coworker, turned very good friend of mine. He was like, dude, he, he was urging me, urging me to start a podcast for the longest time. And I was just like, dude, I don't have the time for this. You know, like who has the time for that? I, I truthfully didn't because there were nights like I was in my office when I was working with Damon till like 2 a.m. Like we, we had a lot of work on our plate. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take him up on that now. And I publicly said December 4th, 2018, I'm going to launch this podcast, Decoding Success. And I had nothing. Like I'm, I put it publicly that I was going to do it and I had nothing. I had no interviews. I had no cover art, no equipment, no nothing. And I scrambled, I got it all done. One thing led to another and I launched it. And it has been literally the most beautiful thing I've done to date. And I am so grateful. I'm getting the chills again. I think that's my, you know, uh, maybe you can see that. <laughs> my hair standing up in my arms, but I, I think that's, uh, you know, talking to my soul. Like, and we talked about this before the show, Des, like it is incredible podcasting, like having conversations and even if you listen to a podcast, you know, like it's not just having a podcast, even if you listen to it, you have the opportunity to be a part of conversations that you wouldn't necessarily have if you didn't have a podcast. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like it's free mentorship. It, it's free connections. Like it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's the best. I, I love you it. know, I listening to you. I, I think this is one of those experiences where, you know, going into it there is benefit because you're like you said it's almost it's like putting out a date because i feel the exact same way where you're like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing like i need to figure this out really fast and 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 somehow with the pressure the intensity everything you do and you don't realize the dividends that are paid because there's so much more that comes with it and it's like a gift that keeps on giving for all kinds of different reasons like you mentioned the networking um i th and i and i ultimately think the biggest thing is is the growth because of of with every conversation you walk away with something profound and it's like you can't even put a price tag on that you know it is absolutely unmatched you know like you hit the nail on the head. There is no price tag to it. And what I realized is the deeper I get to know myself, the deeper the conversations get with guests or like this with you and I. So it, it has been an absolutely beautiful thing. And like, I, 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 I don't want to sound selfish by saying this, but I know from my personal perspective, if I didn't have the show, I wouldn't necessarily be able to talk with Mel Robbins or Grant Cardone or Patrick McDavid or Dean Graciosi because truthfully, everyone wants to talk to them, you know? Yep. So like when I'm pitching, you know, said guest, it really comes down to framing it in a sense where, hey, this is a value for you. As much as it's a value for me, it's a value for you too. Mm -hmm. So having this platform, um, you know, it's just like, I wouldn't be able to ask you these questions and get your responses or see where the conversation goes. And it's really incredible. It gives me a lot of hope at least um, because, you know, you look at some of these people that are at a place where you, you know, desire to go in life and, you know, you're talking about their struggles. You're talking about things that they don't talk about openly on podcasts all the time. Uh, like for instance, Mel Robbins, I, I had her on recently and she was like, Matt, I looked in the mirror 
She was like, I felt like shit. She was like, one boob was a little, a little bit lower than the other. She was like, I felt like shit. I'm like, damn, like freaking like, crushing it. Yeah, you know, like this is some real shit right here. Yeah, like, it's what? really cool. It's so cool. I, I love it. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. So the big question is, is what's next? Because, you know, I look at what you've done in such short order. I mean, and that's the thing about it is, and that's why I want to come back to that. It's, this takes a lot of work, you know, podcasting, and we haven't even talked yet, and we'll get to it, is, you know, you, you run a business, there's, there's so much, and there's, you only have 24 hours in a day. I've tried to figure out how to get, you know, like extra, but you don't. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> and you figure out how to work smarter, be more efficient, get leverage, have the right team around you, like you said. And, you know, over 200 episodes, three years, you know, we're, we're in 2022 now. You know, what would you want decoding success to look like five years from now? That's a really great question. And I guess it's something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Like, Truthfully, I, I don't want to compare myself or my show to anyone. I think everyone runs on their own parallel track to maybe some other people or maybe their own track totally separately. And that's totally fine. For me, I know that the conversations being had and the reason I know this is because I'm told by the guests, you know, like literally I had a streak for like, I want to say close to 40 episodes where we've had 40 different guests and all 40 of them were like, wow, I've never been asked a question like this before. Or, wow, you're really good at this. And I said to myself, you know what? I, I need to take this somewhere. And as mentioned to you before the show, I don't know everything, right? I, I'm, I'm a student of life in every which way possible. And that also includes podcasting. Regardless of being a conversationalist and being personable and, you know, being able to just hold talk, like there, there's more behind the scenes to a podcast than just, hey, like, let's record, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm in a course right now and it's really teaching me how to branch out and how to reach other people. And I think that's the main goal. So like in five years, I do want to be on the level of like a Lewis Howes uh, in the school of greatness. Like that's someone I look up to. Like I, I truly, truly look up to him in so many different ways. I think what he's done with his show in the course of having it for like eight years is really freaking incredible. And the conversations he's had, um, the the guests, the magnitude of his guests. And I've met him in person. He's a great dude. Like when I was working with Damon, he came by. He has a really, really great energy to him. And I, I resonate with him so much. So it would be something of that nature. And then maybe turning it into, you know, um, an event. Um, he does an event actually as well. Um, I was going to ask you if you're going to go to the Summit of Greatness. Am I going to go to it? Yeah. Are you I going? I I mean I've had my so the I went to my first Lewis House event in 2019 so it was before the pandemic right and I you know I had already been a huge fan of his listening to his show and everything that you just described to say like I stacked my hand on that so after having met him and going to his event and then making sure I had VIP tickets immediately and then the pandemic happening, I was like, this is crap. You know what? <laughs> but he did, you know, he he transitioned and he did everything virtually. And that's happened now for the last two years. Um, and, and it's been great. I mean, it's phenomenal what he's still been able to do virtually, but I'm I am very eager, <laughs> you know, for the for the opportunity just because of the caliber of people 
um, like the Mel Robbinses of the world that he has um, at his events and, and the quality of the networking and the genuineness of, of, again, it's not just the guests, but it's the people that are all there that you become friends with that is, it's, it's a, it's life-changing. Yeah. It's life-changing. So I'm like, are you going to be there? <laughs> like, will we might see each other? <laughs> so I, and this is, I guess, before the pandemic, I would make it a point to go to at least like one personal development event per year. And mm -hmm. I guess that stopped because of everything that was going on in the world and still is going on in the world. So I kind of put that on hold. Uh, I would like, I'm not even talking about just networking events, like networking events. I, I love going, right? Because you could have a drink, you you meet some new people. I would throw networking events. Um, actually, just recently on September 1st, when we hit 200 episodes for the podcast, I threw an event in New York City. So got like 150 people together. It was incredible. We had a really good time. But in regards to Lewis's event, truthfully, I didn't know it was taking place. I'm going to have to look into that. Um, as mentioned, I've done Tony Robbins in the past. Tony's events are incredible. Um, like you said, you know, you meet really, really amazing people. I, I can't even tell you how many people I've met and, you know, whether you're in like the private Facebook group, so on and so forth. Like, it's really, really cool, um, to surround yourself with people. And plus, you know, if they listen, if you like, for instance, if born unbreakable aligns with the school of greatness, you meet those people. Now they can become a listener of your show as well. Right. right. So there's, there's so many ways for synergy and connections to come about and it's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to have to look into that. I appreciate you bringing it up. I didn't know about it. So yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. I, I think it'd be great. You know, he always does it in Columbus, Ohio. I love that he supports the town where he's from. I think that's right. like a really cool deal. Um, so yeah, if you, you you're going to have to hit me when up. When is it? When is it? It's September. So he always does it in September. Oh, so it's a full year. Oh, I got time. Yeah. You got to, oh yeah, you've got plenty of, like when I got my, because he's been, he had been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And I listened to his show so, so faithfully. And it it was like, I don't even know, two weeks or, or so before I was like, I just have to get tickets, you know, I'm like I've to. waited until the very end, you know, and, and, um, and it just kind of immersed myself. And then when I told a friend, she was like, you're not going without me. And, you know, then it turned into <laughs> the whole thing. And, um, but I, I do love the consistency because he does it at the same time and he does it in the same, at least like town, even though he might change different aspects of where he hosts each of the, the evenings, like in the social events at the different bars or, you know, obviously it's interesting given the time that we're in because there's mm -hmm. always new, you know, like rules <laughs> that we're all following every, every right. day. You know, I'm trying to find the right words. They're like a rule, it's a regulation changes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're learning on a day-to-day -day basis what, what we are allowed and not <laughs> allowed to do. It changes yeah. by like the minute, you know, especially it, in big cities like ours. Yeah. It's not easy whatsoever. I think that's, that's a really challenging part of a lot of individuals life right now is just, you know, finding some sort of consistency. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are dealing with just like political anxiety and just craziness. So it's a really big part of, and especially if you're throwing an event, you know, like throwing an event right now is really not easy. So I give him credit. I mean, it, especially an event of his size, it, it's yeah. not easy whatsoever, but, um, I literally wrote it down to look into it. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. try and be there. That's dope. Good, good. You have time, but we, I have to ask you about one B branding. So how did that 
come about for you in this yeah. space? I think for me, I credit a lot of my opportunity in life. Um, you know, I, I've been very blessed with opportunity. I for I paid for college basically because of my brand, my own personal brand, and who I was able to essentially own and and put out into the world. I mean, I've worked with Fifty Cent, Fetty Wap, Jadakiss, um, the Real Housewives, Jersey Shore, like the, like really incredible people. And that transitioned. Obviously, it shifted. It wasn't you know I'm, I, I don't necessarily work with those individuals anymore, and kind of shifted my space a little bit, but. I credit a lot, a lot, a lot of what I've done in my life to my personal brand. And I said to myself, all right, I, you know, at the time of leaving Damon, starting a podcast is great, but podcasts don't bring in dollars day one unless you already have an elusive brand and, you know, brand dollars and sponsorships behind you. And I did not have that. So I said to myself, all right, well, dude, you need to do something. So I asked myself, like, what do you love to do? And truthfully, I, I love to help individuals with their brand. Like that is absolutely what I love to do. Now, the thing is, part of helping individuals with their brand is breaking a lot of myths that come with personal branding. Everyone's like, oh, personal brand's a website. Yeah, sure. That's a component of it. You know, personal brand social. Yeah, that's a component of it. But personal branding is really looking on the inside of you because we all have masks that we wear, mask of masculinity, shout out to Lewis. Um, we all have societal masks. We have conditioning from our parenting. We have all of these things that are just layered on top of our true essence and who we truly are. So we go around thinking we are said person, but truthfully, we're not. Like we're, we're, we're not. That's who the world, our parents, our society, our culture, um, our friends, that's who they wanted us to be. And we've just, you know, kind of like taken these pieces from each and every one and kind of stacked them on top of ourselves like a puzzle piece. So one thing that I've been helping people do is really take that off, like take that shield off, take off that armor and get in tune with who you really are and then start to build from there. And the reason I do that is because actually the most famous doctor in the world once said, there's no one in the world youer than you. And that was from Dr. Seuss. So when it comes to personal branding, like branding itself is the art of differentiation. And if you own who you are, there's no one else in the world like you. Like no one has your exact experiences. No one has your exact face physically. No one has your exact whatever. Like that's just what it is. So I get really passionate about that and I've wanted to help people. So that's what I've been doing. And I work with an amazing individual such as Nellie Galan, who's a New York Times bestselling author of the book Self Made. Um, I, I work with actual brands like business brands as well. Uh, but the passion really does lie within the personal side of things. And um, it, it, it's really fun work. It's challenging at times, you know, because there's some resistance to taking off masks. There's um, some resistance to people not believing um, that this isn't really them and, you know, kind of beating down those layers. So it's challenging at times, but it's it's something I'm passionate about. I love it. I'm so fascinated by this because I, I had gone through the branding process with um, um, a shout out to Brand Builders. Actually, Lewis uses uses that that company with uh, Rory Vaden Rory, and yep, yep, a, yep. Lot, a lot of great different people. But um, <clears throat> what you said was really striking to me, which is we all have a brand. So even if you're not walking around saying, you know, Des Maya, Matt Labrie, Born Unbreakable, Decoding Success, you have a brand just by nature of being who you are and walking in the world, whether you acknowledge it 
like as a public thing for people to know about or not. You're, you're, you stand for something, you walk around and people probably respect you for the things that you do or say, or, or maybe, or the opposite. I mean, but, but you carry yourself and, and with that comes, you know, like you said, you. Um, I'm curious, have you worked with individuals or brands, companies that have not gone through that process of really discovering who they are and finding that it's the first time in working with you or early on in the journey where they've actually stopped and said, like, what do you mean? Like, what, like figuring out who I am? This, you know, because they've spent so much time becoming who they are based on what other people have influenced. Absolutely. Yeah, I think my biggest case study is myself, you know, because I couldn't help anyone else do this if I didn't do it myself, you know. And when I look back, uh, again, getting the chills just saying that, um, when I look back, I thought I was someone who I truly wasn't. And I'm sure for years to come, and this isn't just for me, this is for everyone, for years to come, we're going to continue to discover more and more and more about ourselves. Or the opposite, we're going to continue to layer up and mask up. And that might be for totally other reasons. Maybe they're they're numbing out. Maybe, you know, that's a whole other side of things. Um, but ultimately, I look at it as me being my biggest case study. And whenever I have conversations like this, like I was someone so different, like and that becomes, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I was, I went through life really hurt, but I never showed it. Um, my parents, specifically my dad, he really, really wanted me to be a baseball player, you know, and I, I love baseball. That's without a doubt. But at a certain point, you know, God directed me down a different path. Um, the, the list goes on. Like there, there's so much um, that I could, you know, throw out there, whether it would be from friends who, you know, I needed to fit in with, um, I, I have specific friend groups where it's like, if I didn't drive a certain car, maybe I would have felt a little weird about myself or a little down on myself. And that's not necessarily their fault. Um, that's probably more my fault than anything. And fault might be a, a strong word to use there. But yeah, I mean, I was my case study. Um, uh, and I'm still doing the work. It's not something that ends. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, just being open to the discovery process and it's not easy um, whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I always say working with a therapist, working with a coach, getting in tune with yourself by, you know, do maybe doing yoga or flotation therapy or something where you're just alone with your thoughts and you're able to ask yourself questions, pulling out a journal um, and not just writing the first thing that comes to your mind, but really just pondering on it, you know, and when you ask yourself really deep questions to see what comes about. So yeah, I'm the case study. I'm the guinea pig. It's that's that's amazing. And when you know when you think about some of those big challenges you highlighted and been so vulnerable with, like you mentioned your mom, you know, um, and and trauma and still working through that. And you mentioned your dad, want you know wanting you to be something, and obviously you've chosen this path. Do you feel like you found peace with those things and who you've become? I guess I'm still working on the peace aspect of it. Um, and the reason I say that is because I don't necessarily have the best relationship with my parents. So there's just like a tension and, you know, me being someone that is an emotional dude, someone that's empathetic and I look at them, um, you know, I, I guess for myself, like, am I happy with what I'm doing? The answer is yes. You know, mm -hmm. um, 
Am I content? No. Am I happy? Yes. Do I want more? Yes, without a doubt. And I think the more and more I achieve with what I'm doing, the more and more it will become acceptable to parents who have an old school belief pattern, right? And this, this goes for anyone that's listening. You know, if you're going down your own path and your parents wanted you to be a lawyer or they really, you know, they wanted you to be a doctor or whatever they wanted you to be and you're doing something different, maybe they don't believe in you. You know, I I dealt with that so much when I first started. Like when I was leaving my job with Damon, there was no peace whatsoever. And the reason being was because I valued what my parents had to say so much about me and the way they looked at that position. Like there was a huge party when I got that job. And when I graduated, everything was shark themed. And, you know, like it it was cool. Like I I appreciated it. Um, But making that decision brought a lot of chaos and really pushed the peace away because I valued so much of what they said instead of trusting what was in my heart, what was in my gut telling me what to do, you know? So um, I I guess that's another point is like, you know, you really have to trust in yourself, believe in yourself and go for it. And eventually, you know, people will, I mean, it sucks, you know, because you want people to support you all the way, but ultimately sometimes that just comes about after you succeed. And if you don't succeed and they don't support you, you know, maybe you need to find more people to surround yourself with. Yeah. And I I learned that from the last podcast episode, I listened from yours and you and your guests were talking about trusting the process. And I was like, Mm. oh, yes, trust the process. (laughs) It's not easy. You know, like trusting the process, it, it, it sucks because going back to what we said earlier, just like in regards to life and cities, like nothing is linear. There's always ups and downs. So like when you hit a down point, which could be something traumatic or it could just be a failure. Like it's, it's really hard to trust that you're on the right path, you know, Mm -hmm. and the more and more. So what I'll tell you what I've been doing, whenever I look at the clock, typically I see angel numbers. I see 11, 11 often. I see one, 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 two, 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 three, 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 four, 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 five, five, five. And I just tell myself, I'm like, dude, like the more and more you see that, the more and more you're aligned, you know? Um, it just so happened, like right now I looked, it's one twenty six PM, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like there, there's nothing aligned there regardless. Like when I look, I'm like, all right, dude, like you're, you're on the right path, you know, like maybe you're not making as much money as you could if you were still in corporate America, or maybe you could, you know, be doing a better job at something, um, you know, maybe your diet or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but ultimately whenever I see that, I use that as a reminder to tell myself like where you are right now is where you're meant to be. And even if you don't see that, even if you don't see the angel numbers, just having this conversation or listening to this conversation, if someone's listening to this, you should know that you are exactly where you need to be. Otherwise, you would be somewhere else, you know, so. Absolutely. What, what, would, what, you, what would you say you're working on? Oh, my God, I'm working on so much. Um, from a personal level, I think I'm still working on accepting the fact that my relationship with my mother will probably never be fixed um, or healed. Healed is probably the the more proper word. And the reason I say that is because I've attempted to. Um, And this goes for anyone listening with any relationship issues, whether it's intimate relationships, family, friends, whatever. You can't fix something or heal something by yourself. You know, if, if you are dealing with another party, the other party also needs to do their part. And I've asked my mom in the past, I was like, hey, like, can you, are, are you open to doing therapy? Maybe a group session or something. And the answer was always no. She's like, oh, I don't need that. I don't, you know, just an arrogant Italian mother, you know? So, 
excuse me, and I, I, I love her. It's not that I don't love her, but that's probably the main thing that I'm working on in my life is just accepting the fact that that might never change. Um, and the reason I need to do that is because I've seen that personally show up in relationships and it caused me to become codependent. It caused me to people please. And I, I realized like, Hey, like, dude, like you, you don't deserve someone that neglects you and rejects you and pushes you away and doesn't treat you the way that you deserve. So it, that right, like, that's a lot, like, it's a lot to unpack, but that's like the main thing I'm working on. And of course, professionally, like always the podcast, um, always the business, um, I, I should be working on my physical health because I have totally slacked, but that's a whole other story that we can go down some other time. I love, you know, I love the candor though, because we're all, I mean, I think the point of it, like you mentioned, if anyone is listening, we're all working on something. We're all a work in progress. I really don't. And I don't know if I want to meet a person actually in thinking about it in the moment, somebody who's like, I'm omnipotent. <laughs> I have nothing left to work on. Like, I, I just don't know right. that that would be very enlightening, you know, um, except for being really curious how somebody got to the point where they weren't working on absolutely anything. That would be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to ask you just a couple questions that um, will help people get to know you a little bit more. Um, you know, the title of this, my podcast is Born Unbreakable. Yeah. What, what makes you unbreakable? Sheesh. Um, well, I'll tell you this. I mean, there were many, many parts in my life where I felt like I was broken. Um. I, you know, it's so funny. I had a, I had a surgery probably seven years ago on my shoulder and I, I was putting a hashtag. I wish I remember the hashtag broken, not, oh, what was I putting? Shit. It's going to bother me. I'm going to have to text you after or something. It was a really <laughs> good hashtag. I wish I remembered it right now. Um, ultimately what makes me unbreakable? I think, let me think on this one second. I think what makes me unbreakable is knowing there's tomorrow. And the reason I say that is because when I look at my life in the five short seconds, I closed my eyes, things were dark so many times, so many freaking times. And don't get me wrong. Like I was really numb to it. I would smoke a lot of weed. I would just think money was going to heal everything. So I would work my ass off. I would you know, neglect areas of life where I knew there was pain. And regardless of those dark times where I did feel broken and like, just like totally like shit was over, not necessarily suicidal, but like I literally, I'll give you an example. Last summer, June of 2020. Wow. That's actually probably two summers ago. I remember just like crying at my kitchen table. Uh, I was like going through turbulence in a relationship. And then I look now and I'm like, things got better, you know? So like when I, whenever I did feel broken, I realized that there's tomorrow and tomorrow's a new day. And that might be cliche and sound corny, but you don't know the light without the dark, you know, like you, you don't know the sunny days without the rain or without the clouds. And I, I don't even care how corny that sounds. It's just the truth, you know? Right. Um, I, I had like, for instance, last night I had so much fun with my friends, but I wouldn't know what fun was if I didn't know what not having fun was, mm -hmm. you know? So 
Um, that's what it is for me, just knowing that there's tomorrow. And listen, tomorrow might not be a bright day either. To, you could have a string yeah. of dark days. You could have a year of dark days. Um, but the whole point is just showing up and just knowing that things can change. And you have more power than you know to change it. You can't necessarily force it. It happens when it happens, but ultimately just show up. And that's what I've done my entire life to make sure that I wasn't broken. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So good. Okay, Matt, what's something that's on your bucket list? What's on my bucket list? Uh, good question. I All right, so we're going to get deep here again. I guess the thing that's on my bucket list, I, I started to develop what's called agoraphobia. Agoraphobia is essentially like a panic. Um, it's, it's, a, it's like an anxiety, and it's just like, I developed this after one speaking engagement um, that just shit hit the fan during my travel. And it just really threw me for a loop to the point where when I got back, 2019 was one of my darkest years. And that was literally the year after I left my corporate job. And I'm telling you, like, I was scared to leave my house. Like, I would leave my house and I would instantly feel like I was going to pass out. It, it was rough. It was really, really rough. So although bucket list items are typically looked at as, you know, like, oh, I want to travel here. I want to go Scott. Like for me, it's to like really feel over the agoraphobia feeling. And how do I do that? I, I do that by actually exposing myself to the things that do scare me, you mm -hmm. know? So for instance, whether that's social anxiety, whether that's traveling by myself, which I've done many times, um, most recently in October to continuously put myself out there. Um, that's, that's on my bucket list. And I don't want to sound victim to that. Um, it's just a part of what I'm experiencing at this juncture in my life. But that's, that's a bucket list item for me is to feel like totally free from that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that would drastically change my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that answer. That was the first thing that came to mind. That's huge. No, that's really, that's really big. And that I would definitely say that that's a, that's a bucket list item, you know? So that's, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Oh, I appreciate really, the opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So what's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Oh my God, there's so many. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you one, and this goes back for years and it still actually impacts me today. I used to tell myself when I was between the ages of 18 to, I want to say, 22, that I wasn't ready to date because I wasn't where I wanted to be financially. And I, I, I would literally tell myself this. At that time, 18 to 22, uh, I, I was an independent contractor. I was you know, a business owner in New York City nightlife. And I made a shit ton of fucking money to say the least. Like I, I, that wasn't all I did. Like I was really freaking hustling. So I was making a lot of money, but I would always tell that to myself. And the more and more I told that to myself, the more and more I believed it. So I even see it to this day that showing up in my life, me feeling like I'm not ready because I don't have something. And that something doesn't necessarily have to be money. That something can be consistency with what every paycheck per week looks like. Um, it could be, you know, not having my own house or whatever, you know, like the, the list goes on. It just built some sort of, you're not ready. When in 
you know, in reality, listen, you know, if something comes into your life and from a relationship's perspective, uh, from maybe from any perspective, like if it comes into your life and it feels right, like, you know, you go for it. Um, but I, I've made that limiting belief, especially back then. And I mean, I literally had such amazing individuals, such amazing women in my life. And I just always pushed them away. They treated me so good and I would push them away. And it was because of that. So that that's probably, um, that was the first thing that came to mind. So I'm, I'm glad I went with that. And I appreciate these questions. It's actually making me think. Yeah, that's good. We get, we like, I like in deep. Got to get in there, right? <laughs> I love that. We're all constantly learning. Okay. What would you say is one of your superpowers? What would I say is one of my superpowers? I'm battling between two right now. Um, the two is how I feel for people, meaning I, I, I guess the, the best way to put it is how I love people. Um, and also how I communicate with people. I think they're, they're one, a one B and they're super interchangeable. Maybe they go hand in hand. Um, again, getting the chills saying that, but yeah, I think I was scared to love people because I didn't want to be hurt any more than I was for a long time. And then I realized like I I've always loved people, you know, and I think I started to love people more the more I started to love myself. And for a really long time, I didn't love myself. Like I said, I numbed and I ran from who I was. And I just thought achievement would make me love myself more. And it made me proud of myself, but it didn't make me love myself. And I think there's a really big difference. Um, and then when it comes to communicating, just like having conversations like these, just conversations with people that come to me when they're in need, um, you know, that I think is a true superpower because it's not necessarily how I speak. It's more so how I listen. And I don't think people listen with intent to listen. I think they just listen to be a part of a conversation more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a really, really big difference for me is, and I, I think that comes with being a podcaster. So I'm sure you could relate like right now you're listening. You have to, so that you could regurgitate a question or, you know, just respond in some sort of way. So I think that muscle was trained through the art of podcasting. But yeah, I think it comes down to just love and and communication, but communication more so on the emphasis of listening than speaking. Yeah, that's big. Because I do think there is a difference between listening to understand and listening to respond. Mm. And it takes a lot of conversations to know the difference <laughs> absolutely you know so yeah it put in the hot seat of being on the end of of listener I, and i would encourage you know people to to think about all the conversations that you have in a day and the percentage of time of whether you're doing the talking or the speaking or the talking or the listening because there's a there's you know, and if it's imbalanced, then that's, that could be something to learn, learn from, right? Because I think, I think we could be really good at talking. Um, because as you grow in your experience, you probably become more impassioned, you have an opinion, you know, but I, I think it takes more work to, to listen. And, and the fact that you've done, you've done so much work on that is, is to be commended, because it's not, it's not easy. 
<laughs> it's not. It's not. I appreciate that as well. It's definitely not. I think also just another point is if you find yourself speaking more than you listen, I would actually suggest evaluating who you're surrounding yourself with because I found myself more compelled to listen when I was surrounding myself with individuals that I can learn from versus individuals I could teach. And I'm not saying that teaching is a bad thing, right? And I think it goes back to what you said, where's the balance? Like, I think there needs to be a nice balance. And personally, for me, everyone's balance is going to be different. For me, I like the balance to way more towards the listening side, because I would prefer to learn at this juncture in my life than teach. And don't get me wrong, like I, I love conversations like this, and I love speaking engagement, so on and so forth. But I mean, I have a long way to go, you know, and I, I think we all do. So I'm, I'm a student. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I feel the same way as you do. So Matt, if there, if there was a last piece of advice that you would give to anyone listening, what would that be? I'm going to steal this from John Gordon. He is the author of many books, over, many books, um, The Energy Bus, The Seed, the carpenter, so many books. Like he's incredible. If you don't, if you don't know him, check him out. He's, he's a really great guy. And he left me with something once that, man, it's making my voice quiver. That's how much I love it. But we talked about a lot of deep stuff here today and we can't control what we experience like entirely. Like life is always going to throw us something. It's going to throw us highs. It's going to throw us lows. It's going to throw us mediums. It's going to throw us everything. So he said, events plus perspective equals the outcome, right? We can't control the events that we experience. The only thing we have control over is how we perceive them. And that right there is what will determine the outcome of that event. Now, the thing is, like I said, you can't control everything. Controlling the perspective is so important. And it's not easy to, you know, go through a breakup or, you know, I don't know, lose a client or, you know, maybe not have the best interview or whatever it is, right? It's not easy to view it and perceive it as something good the minute it happens. But, you know, maybe six months, one year, three months, three days down the road, you can look back and you can be like, oh, this is why that happened. And there's always a reason as to why something happened. There's always a lesson. Sometimes those lessons are repeated because you didn't learn it the first time. And I mean, shit, that happened to me so many times. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and then other times it's just because, you know, new levels, new devils, right? Like you hit a new level in life and you need to learn something new. Um, but ultimately that's what it comes down to. E plus P equals O is how he frames it. Um, and he's, he, not to throw a math equation, but that's what it is. Events plus perspective equals the outcome. Damn. Truth. These are yeah. facts. <laughs> that's good. I love that. So Matt, how can people find you and follow you? I appreciate that. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram at this point. Uh, I do have Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all that stuff, but generally I hang out on Instagram the most just because whatever. I don't know. Um, I am on TikTok as well, but I don't do any TikTok dances. Um, so I, if anyone wants to connect, you could probably just hit me up on Instagram. I answer all DMs and whatnot. So I'm open to it. If you want to have a conversation, if you have a question, if you whatever, just want to say what's up, I'm there. Instagram. 
Amazing. I'll make sure that's in the show notes so people can click on the link and reach out to you. But this has been such a magnificent conversation. I'm so grateful for your vulnerability, first of all, to just put it all out there to say, you know, what hasn't worked, what went left and and what you've continued to do to to make it go right. You know, I think we're, we're on a journey and I just appreciate you sharing yours. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Des. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here with you. You ask phenomenal questions. So thank you for all of that. You made me think. Um, you, you got me in my feels that time. So I appreciate all of that. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see all the things that you've got going on. And then I hope maybe we'll see each other at the Summit of Greatness after you check dope. out and see. And then we can uh, talk, talk a little bit more and find some more things to collab on. But this is Let's amazing. Thank Thanks, you so Matt. much. Thank you. Matt Labrie, what an incredible interview. I learned so much. I love his story. Somebody who has gone through so many difficult times, but has been able to do many magnificent things in the world. To be able to, at a young age, work with an entrepreneur like Damon John, who, if you weren't paying attention in the interview, mentioned that he was a, one of the sharks on Shark Tank. He's the, the CEO and founder of FUBU and, and just a r- really well-known person for, their in, for his investment savvy uh, business you know, experience and, and all of that good stuff is, is incredible. Uh, Matt's, Matt's story, his his career, uh, his perseverance. I just I love so many pieces of what he talked about. It's hard to really pick out, uh, you know, just one highlight. But I I will say that one thing that's sticking out to me, uh, also because I can relate to it so much, is this element of finding peace. It's something that I believe is the ultimate achievement. It's not even sitting here and saying success and chasing that and achieving a certain amount of money in one of your portfolios because I still think that when you've reached that, there's still something unsettling and we move on to the next goal. So I've continued to find that this this journey of finding peace is something that we can struggle with. So when I had asked Matt about peace with one of the challenging aspects of his life with his parents and those relationships, and he talked very honestly about that still being a journey and something that he's working on, I think is relatable. I too find that in life, in seeking peace within myself and in relationships, takes a lot of work. And so my question to you today is, what is it? Or with whom are you working on finding 
peace or more peace than you have today. I don't know if you reach it ultimately, and it is a sustained state, just like any other emotion, right? We're very dynamic hum- human beings and we shift between feelings and emotions and that's just life. But I do think that the more we can find peace in all the components of our life, uh, that state of calm goes a long way in a world that has a lot of noise and a lot of chaos, especially as we, I was telling Matt, I used the words earlier when we were just having a chat, the two of us, um, gracefully aging, (laughs) gracefully going through the aging process, which I'm uh, not afraid of at all. I think it's beautiful. I think with age comes so much, uh, but you know, I just hope that comes with more peace. So that's the question that I'm putting out to you today. I'm grateful for you being here. I am grateful for you tuning in and learning with me every single episode, which as you know, we do twice a week on the Born Unbreakable podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Share this episode. Do Matt a great favor and rate and review this episode. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you learned. It means a lot. And remember, you truly are your own limit. So take action today. You can be limitless. We are all capable of that. So do good things in the world, you know, do something nice today for someone else. I promise it'll go a long way. Okay. I'm in my feels. (laughs) Could you not tell? I had that whole conversation where Matt was in his feels. I'm like totally in my feels. So short of making this way longer than it needs to be, tune in again next episode uh, because it is now February, y'all. Can you believe it? Second month of 2022. Tune in. There's so much more excitement in store and so much more to learn. Thanks for being here and see you next time.